Almost 16 years ago to the day, Hurricane Katrina came barreling through the Gulf of Mexico in 2005, bearing down on the southern city of New Orleans, wreaking havoc and destroying everything in its path. Little did the public know, a serial killer was on the loose in New Orleans at the same time with his own record death tolls. Yes, Jen, or... (gasps) Oh my gosh. I'm offended for you. (laughs) He must be really annoyed with my comment if he confused me with you. Yeah, for real. Um, So on, on this day, John had said, go pick up some purple haze at the store. Purple haze, the, the beer. beer. I almost got the purple haze goat cheese mm. as well because I was like, oh, well, like you didn't specify beer. I said, pick up purple haze in the store and then pick up purple haze behind the store. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Did they not have the purple haze at Total Wine? They, uh, well, I didn't go to Total Wine. That oh, was my mistake. I went to TD's thinking they would have it. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is like a common beer. Apparently not that common. Hmm. So I, I sub. I think it's raspberry, the purple haze. Is it? I think so. Mm. You might be right. I like purple haze a lot. So so I had to substitute because I was like, oh, shoot, I got to go to Total Wine now. Um, and I was like, no, don't bother. So I, I got something that was, um, you know, it had purple text, purple writing, and was a hazy, a haze beer. It's called Contact Haze. This is by the same company. Is it? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Purple Haze is by Ariba or Ariba or something. I do like the Purple Haze goat cheese though. What what is that? What is that? Is oh, it- it's it's goat cheese with I think lavender. Oh, lovely. I have some goat cheese at home with cranberry, which Ugh. is really good. Which was gonna have some put crackers out for a charcuterie board at my party, but. Did not end up having. But you did get a charcuterie board. I did. I'm excited <laughs> to use it. Uh, I'm going to definitely pull that out at my at my cocktail party this year. Cause cock. I think, <laughs> I think that'll probably be the next big party that I have is my Christmas cocktail party. Big cock. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you, John. You're learning words. Well, I do have a, a few... Patreon members uh, to mention. I, I think uh, we've got Rachel up in Canada who has joined us. Thanks, Rachel. Um, Matthew and James. Thank you, Matthew and James. Both so, biblical names. Yes, I was going to say, where where are Luke and we already have a John, so we just need a Luke. Paul. And this one, um, I'm going to dedicate it to James because he is a... Uh, uh, rejoined on a couple of occasions so I'm going to count this one for James well thank you James surprise shots surprise shots we don't know what they are cause they're a surprise this is the uh, perfect shot for a very hot summer day ooh I think I know cheers cheers Malibu. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank God. Tastes like tanning oil. It does. I really didn't want to do anything too strong yet. Welcome to the Talk Murder to Me podcast. My name is John. I'm here with Jen and Nikwiz. This is episode 254, right? 254? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can find all the photos, videos, sources on talkmurder.com. You can share the blog post there if you want. And also, if you want to... Uh, enter into the contest we have for the new podcast called what happened to which is a podcast exploring strange disappearances and it is set to lo-fi hip-hop very fun to to produce me and uh, brianne from among the dirt and trees do that podcast together go check that out the contest is on there as well and i'll just go ahead and give you the link so you guys can go there uh, and enter the contest, and that is talkocast.com, so talkocast.com slash win. Talkocast.com slash win, and there's multiple entry options available. For instance, you can share 
you can get a free entry just for going to that page. You can get an additional entries by like sharing it on Facebook or Twitter or subscribing to the podcast. Leave a review. You'll get five extra entries, stuff like that. Tonight, we are talking about a serial killer. Also, the episode for Thursday, we put out episodes Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Thursday episode is also a serial killer. Both of these men have killed about the same number of victims, and you probably haven't heard of any any of these killers. The first one, as we're going to talk about, happened here in America, but was overshadowed. His crimes and his arrest was overshadowed in 2005 by a big event. What happened in 2005? Um, we graduated from eighth grade. <laughs> yeah we did what happened wow. what happened in 2005 in louisiana oh hurricane they're about to get hit again Oof. with uh the the hurricane ida that's a category four i mean Ooh, is it oh geez i'm not trying to be a dick but stop fucking building right there on the damn Sure, man. Meanwhile, our dream is to buy a house right on the beach. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I mean, they, they built that shit up again. It's like, fuck, obviously. Um, You know what about hurricanes? I feel like back home, that was one of the only natural disasters that we could get other than a blizzard. But mm-hmm. we weren't really hit hard by them. No. Sandy was the only one that like really. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that was bad. All right, Nicole. So let's start the story. Can you please describe this man for us? Um, he looks like one of the Wayans brothers, and the lady looks like Uma Thurman. Yeah, that's a good way to describe what what this this uh, friendly pair looks like. I don't actually know the context behind this particular photo, but this is one of the only ones available of him. This is Oliver LeBanks. This is where we're starting the story tonight. He is the victim. And we're actually going to October 3rd, 1998 in Louisiana. Is is she relevant to this story? No. This is a random photo of of him. There's obviously not many photos of the victims here. I want to go to New Orleans still. I haven't gone. Yeah, I've never been there either. I don't. I mean, I would not. I I used to say like Mardi Gras was a bucket list item. Oh no! But now, too much. Definitely too, no. Too much of a clusterfuck. I would like to go and have some beignets and like some really good po'boys and stuff like that. You yeah. know what I mean? I would go for a food experience. I would solely. go for. I would still want to party, but I wouldn't want to be involved in Mardi Gras. Like it's yeah. too much. Here's some jazz. Yeah, I would go for jazz. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? I feel like now that I. <laughs> This is gonna sound so Are you going to say now that you're over 30? <laughs> now that I'm 30, I feel like that's something that normally I wouldn't say. Be like, I don't want to go for a party experience. But now I feel like... Now you're all mature and shit. It's like how how, how Hubble suddenly aged when we got Luna. <laughs> He's a grumpy old man. Yeah. Jen, Jen's all mature. So if you want to listen to the unmature Jen, go and listen to episodes <laughs> 1 through 252. <laughs> <laughs> Where you can I, where you can hear Jen rolling around where you can hear Jen rolling around on the floor <laughs> and listen, passing uh, out. Listen, I yeah, I know. Like here I am, I'm like, I don't want to go for a party and then I was like, I bought non alcoholic beer for the golf tournament tomorrow. Like so I, yeah. am I? I used to at my school event. I was, yeah, I was gonna comment on that earlier. I was like, What? Yeah. She's not Jen. Yeah. I mean we kinda like our audience kind of expects a certain gen. <laughs> I gotta grow up sometime. I know. I'm like buying a car, have a house. Like oh, the big times. It, who am I? A dog. Like you care for another being. I know, and he's still alive six months later. Look at you. Oh, well, it's been more than six months. Yeah, fucking barely hanging I, on. <laughs> he is doing. We'll, we'll he's see driving. how it, we'll see how it goes after he spends a weekend with us and our oh dogs. Oh my gosh! <laughs> All right, let's get on with tonight's story. We are reading a book tonight. I read a book for the story called "The Bayou Strangler." Ooh, "The Bayou Strangler" is by Fred Rosen. Oh, on the Bayou. And uh, if you guys aren't 
familiar with True Blood. Oh yeah! Oh, we, remember we started that. Yeah, we watched I like five watched episodes. All of it. What are no, you talking about? We're, when we I were was all here. gonna watch it together, and then we just didn't. I watched that. that with my other friends. I watched it by myself. You know. Did you start that Nine Perfect Strangers yet? Not yet. Did you? <laughs> I did. I saw the first three episodes, but I have to see if the other ones are up. Tonight we are reading the Bayou Strangler. Louisiana's most gruesome serial killer. More so than the Jazz Man? By Fred Rosen. Ooh. Fred Rosen has also written a couple other books that I used for my stories. Number one would be The Body Dump, Kendall Francois, The Poughkeepsie Killer. Remember, he was killing Mm. prostitutes. Yep. And he also, I'm pretty sure, wrote The Crab Story. Oh, The Crab Hands? Yeah. That was like episode four. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually used a lot of his books. Yeah, he wrote Lobster, he wrote Lobster Boy, which I used mm-hmm. that book. So mm-hmm. I, yeah, I've used quite We're a bit of his books. We're having Lobster tonight. That was a fun episode. I've oh. used a couple of his books. There, there still is one of my favorite drinks that we've made. Mm-hmm. Who you're looking at right now is Oliver LeBanks. He is a slim African-American man. How old does he look there? 30. But 28, between 28 and 30. Maybe 34. <laughs> 28 to 35. So he is 27 years old. Damn it. <laughs> Actually, probably younger there. Oh, maybe 27. Shit. Well, shit. This story is starting at October 3rd, 1998 at 740 Burgundy Street. Seriously, Jen? I'm Ron Burgundy? Jesus. You are fucking mature. Jesus, fuck. Well, I guess you guys should find a new podcast. (laughs) Hang on, we just need to do one more surprise shot and Immature Jen will come out. So you're looking at 740 Burgundy Street, New Orleans. And obviously it's not there anymore, but this... Why is it obvious? Because this is a home oh. and, and not a, a gay bar called the Rawhide. Oh, that's oh. why it's obvious oh. to me. What a name! <laughs> the Rawhide. What a name! Uh, so this used to be the Rawhide. <laughs> I well, I feel stupid for speaking before he got to all the details. <laughs> that's why it's obvious because this is a respectable home, not a. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> that sounds like a fun time. Okay, so this is Narlins right here. Narlins. This is why I don't want to go here. It's shit. I mean, oh, I shouldn't say that because no. we got listeners there. But from Charleston, because, you know, we got a kind of a rivalry with you guys. You Do know. we? Well, we're both Southern. It's definitely Charleston versus Savannah. Well, here's the thing is about- anything. Here's the thing about Charleston. Oh, Charleston all day. I'm not a huge fan of Savannah. I have friends that live there, but I just don't feel the same way You know what it. Savannah has going for it? Moss trees. Open containers. Oh, that's true. Get your drink in a to-go cup and take it to your next place. That's pretty cool. Mm. New Orleans is like that. Savannah also has a Paula Deen restaurant. It does? Yeah. Uh, another, <laughs> it could be a reason to either go or avoid. Myrtle Beach has one too, I think. The Rawhide in 1998 was the place to get it pumped. Not for dogs. Rawhide. It was a gay. What is that from? Is that from a show? Yeah, a it's a song. From who? Who Who did the show Rawhide make famous in the 70s or 60s? Burt Reynolds. In the 60s? Is he that old? Yeah, I guess he, he is was, that old. I know he was at least 70s, yeah. No, but he was. In, this 19, in the 1960s. I don't know if that's correct or not. In the 1960s, a TV show called The Rawhide who starred an actor who is now famous and still alive. Oh, oh so not, not Burt Reynolds. Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> Could uh, be Al Sharpton, though. Except he's not an actor. He is, he is a minister who is very much alive. Yeah, I would like to know if we got any fans out there that remember this show, watching it on their, I guess, color that's TV. The, that's the theme song. They had color TV then. That I was sure. singing. Yes. That's the Rawhide theme yeah. song. So that show made a small actor known as Clint Eastwood. Oh! My dad knew him. Clint Eastwood is the man. He's a punk bitch. He has a hot oh, son. <laughs> yeah. You ever seen Scott Eastwood? 
Yeah, he made an appearance in Gran Torino. He is very easy on the eyes. <sighs> okay. He was like the... I would... Oh, no, I'm not going to finish that sentence, but you can see probably where I'm going. Ew. You're talking about, uh, you're talking about raw dogging. Raw dogging. Let's raw dog it. I ain't got a condom. You want to raw dog it? October 3rd, 1998 at the Rawhide, 740 Burgundy Street. Oliver LeBanks goes there with his brother and a few of his friends. Now, Oliver does have a girlfriend, which that doesn't this doesn't make him a homosexual, but he was there for a specific reason. He went there to sell himself for money. Like do Spigolo. The male gigolo. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he was a slim African American man, twenty-seven. He didn't actually have an occupation, but he did do things to make money, like sell drugs and even pickpocketing the tourists that come through Louisiana, Louisiana, to come through Louisiana. And he also sold his body for sex, which is what the Rawhide Bar was known for in 1998. If you wanted to go there and get sex from either one or two types of people, there's two types of people. The two types of people are leather or Levi's. The older... <laughs> Why are you shaking your head? <laughs> Which one are you, Jen? <laughs> leather. Well, so with this bar in particular, how I understand it is older gentlemen looking to buy sex would frequent this bar a lot. This is what it was known for. I mean, the name was the Rawhide, right? They would bring their money, and inside the bar, they could pick either two types of people. Either leather or Levi's. The leather was worn by the older boys, and they kind of ran the bar. Hmm. Okay, so this is a whole synchronized operation going on here. The Levi's were the younger boys, and they they didn't go into the turf of the leather guys because they're, you know, the seniors or whatever. But they all sold sex. So a guy wanting to get his rocks off, he can either choose between a young or an old. And he can distinguish really quickly by the type of attire that person is wearing. Either leather or Levi's. Which I would be leather, probably. I'd do both. This particular night was extremely crowded. So anybody spotting and recognizing the one man that we're going to talk about tonight, the killer, the Bayou Strangler, would be impossible because there's so much people. LeBanks goes into the bar. He splits up from his brother and his other friends. Now, they didn't know he was, or his brother didn't know at least, that he was selling his body for sex. So he kind of kept that on the down low. But he goes up to the bar and there is this man, this guy right here. His name is Ronald Dominique. And Nicole, if you want to describe this guy for us, this is the killer. This is the Bayou Strangler. Ugh. <laughs> That's not a description. <laughs> Isn't it, though? Um, he is a, a large, balding man with a goatee. Um, he looks like someone you would want to automatically stay away from. Mm. His His eyes kind of freak me out. They're just... They're they're kind of they're actually just a tad close together. He looks lonely. Yeah, he is a very lonely man. Very lonely man. His eyes might look that close together because his face is so large. You know, they they look clo too close together. Oliver LeBanks goes up to the bar, and Ronald Dominique is sitting there. Looking lonely, but he's got a wad of cash, and he knows exactly what to do with it. LeBanks comes up to him, says that one word, or a couple words, hey, you like to party? And he said, yeah, I like to party. Now, this is interesting. I guess they still do that here if you're going to buy a prostitute. You don't say, hey, how much is the market value for a blowjob right now? You say... 
you say, can I give you money or do you need money? Like, basically, can I loan you money? Now, this was what they did. So he basically said, how much money do you need for me to loan you? And LeBanc said, about 20 or 30 bucks. And that was a sign for a blowjob. So, okay, 30 bucks for a blowjob. They bounce out of the club because he's going to go get his money. Ronald Dominique, when asked where his car was, said it was really close, which was a lie. He lied to him right there. It was actually pretty far away. The two men walked down St. Anne Street. They walked through the French Quarter and past Bourbon Street, which let's go to Bourbon Street. You know what's funny is I think that the gay club in Charleston is on Anne Street. I believe you are correct. Dudley's. Yep. So this is Bourbon Street. You see where we were? They're going pretty far. Like we were back. This is five or six blocks. So they're walking five or six blocks. They take a left here. They're going down Bourbon Street. And then by Jack's Brewery, J-A-X, it's probably not still there. What does it say, yeah, Louisiana? New yeah, New Orleans. Oh, shit, it is there. Well, it's still there. Well, maybe fucking... it's not a brewery because it said shops at Jack's Brewery. So maybe it's shops. Then why would it have the word brewery on it? It's weird. Because it, maybe it was, that's just what people knew it for. So, I mean, look how far they walked. All that's the way far. over here. They actually walked about six blocks east. And I'm, we're looking at Google Earth, so I'm kind of doing this. Six blocks south... And then another six blocks, they go in the other direction, and they end up in this shady little place in a parking lot. It may have even been this parking lot right here before it was all built out. There was no one in there. The only car parked in there was Ronald Dominique's, and that was a 1983 Chevy Malibu. So automatically, LeBanks knows that something isn't right, but he also needs a to make a uh, quick trick so he can get money. 30 bucks is not bad for walking 12 blocks, you know? Right. And obviously sucking a dude's wiener. That's in the price, too. All right. <laughs> <laughs> they get in the car. Nobody is in the parking lot. And, Jen, if you want to read some of this stuff... It's uh, actually very necessary for the story. It's not just because it has the word penis in it a bunch of times. I was going to say, you know, if you're asking me to read, you either need an accent or it's something that I'm not going to want to read. Yeah, no accent. Yeah. Do a, an accent. Yeah. That's what I wanted you to read. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you do the accent, okay? What accent? What accent do you need? I guess Louisiana accent. I don't know how to do that. Well, just read it like you normally would. LeBanks <laughs> <laughs> Je- <laughs> Je- went down on him. Well, do it in a Louisiana accent. I don't. I don't know. How to Southern do draw. Okay. Well, you only do it. I'll do it. No, I, yeah, I can do it's it. It's a draw. Are you sure? I'll yeah. do it. Okay, go ahead then. No, you do it. Okay, that's what I thought. LeBanks went down on him. LeBank sucked Dominique's penis until Dominique twisted LeBank around so that they sucked each other simultaneously. That's called number 69. Now lay on your stomach, Dominique instructed. He had not negotiated for that. Fucking would be more. So you know you understand 6-9, right? Yes, I, I understand The six, two nine. numbers. That's good. <laughs> Thanks. Jesus Christ. The bodies are now numbers. We understand. Uh, all right. The two men are 69ing in the car, and all of a sudden, Dominique, which is the killer, the Bayou Strangler, turns LeBanks over on his stomach. And he kind of demands him to do that. Now, LeBanks is skinny, no real muscle, kind of lanky. And in comparison, Ronald Dominique, the Bayou Strangler, is a rather large man. We're talking 230, 240, big dude. Fat, not like muscular. Is he short? No, he's, I mean, regular height, six foot. But he's just a, he's just a round dude, you know? I mean, you saw his face. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, 
he basically throws his weight on LeBanks at this point. Now, this is going to be the MO for all of the victims tonight, is he uses his weight to, to throw them over, and then he basically rapes LeBanks, because they didn't actually negotiate for the fucking, which would have been more money. So at this point, he is crushing him with his weight. Since you read so much, uh, Nicole, maybe we can let Jen take a stab at it. With LeBanks struggling to get out from under the big man's weight, Dominique pushed his penis into the man's rectum. LeBanks protested that he was being hurt, but Dominique was relentless. He pushed harder and harder until finally he ejaculated. Thank you, John, for the opportunity. (laughs) At this point, now this is the MO going forward. What we know, we know that Ronald Dominique has killed about 23 people, maybe more. At least 23 has been verified that he has killed. So, and the MO is exactly the same with all of them, except the first one, which we'll get into. But Ronald Dominique says, quote, after he's raped his victim, quote, now get on top of me and rub your thing on me, end quote. So he's talking about his penis. Right. He wants LeBanks to get on top of him and rub his penis on him. And the book says... Where? Well, here, the the book says, LeBanks got on top of Dominique and began rubbing his penis against the guy's flabby ass. (laughs) He says flabby ass. Dominique thought he felt some penetration, and that was it. And what he means by that was it is that is the point where Ronald Dominique, the Bayou Strangler, snaps because he doesn't want to ever be penetrated. The reason is, and I didn't know this was a thing, and it makes me cringe a little bit, is because he was raped before and he was split. That's what they call it when your anus splits. Oh, like your butthole splits open. Yucky. Like the you, from the alien movie and the aliens coming out. I've never seen that movie. Shocker. But it's really just a doo-doo. Oh. <laughs> Jen, you're too mature for this podcast. I can tell. Are you firing me? <laughs> <laughs> I think it just means we need to drink more. That's what I think that means. Maybe. Ron Dominique was raped in the past. He was split. And I don't know, maybe some listener... Can... I didn't know it could split for guys. I'm just going to say. What, what do you mean? I knew it could split for, for, for women the when difference? they give birth. Oh. There's there's two holes there that can We have three holes. holes. Oh, that's oh. not a thing. When women give birth, it can be a thing. Oh, so doo-doo comes out the V, too? Mm, no. It can, well, it, the, the, the V can the, become the B. The V can split into it's the V. It's called the A. Well, v to A. But you said the, booty yeah, the hole. V, the V can split to the no, A. No, I said, does doo-doo come out of the V if it's one? Well, you usually use the term booty hole. So. But, but like, so, so, but there's nothing, there's no additional hole for, for men. So I, I like, I'm assuming. What do you mean? The, the butt, the boot hole. No, the you have yeah, one. We have the, three but, holes. But you have one hole. But I'm just saying when a woman get, gives birth, it can tear if the A. If it's coming out of the vagina. Correct. Giving birth. This is a rather frequent occurrence. Which and is they have why to you have to do together. your kegels. They do have to stitch it, stitch it together. Well, it can either come out of the vagina or the butthole. No, it doesn't come okay, out of the butthole. The baby comes out of the V. <laughs> My dad used to always tell me I came out of the butt. <laughs> you, I would believe that. I would but, believe that for you. But I'm not sure for a man what it's not splitting into another. It just hole. tears. It just yeah, becomes it just larger. This is called splitting. It sounds fucking painful. I just wanted to clarify. I, it you sounds know what? fucking I want, painful. I want to like, I mean, I, I don't know. I well, found myself. What do you mean? What are you, where are you going with this? What do you mean? What do you like, want? She's like, I want to update my 401k and 
you know, re- now. refinance my I don't house. Have a Roth. No, I was thinking about look at my my assets and and do my balance sheet. I was sheet. thinking the other day how much I've wanted kids in the past, and I was just like, oh my gosh, I would have to like take care of another human and like birth a human. Well, I wouldn't have to technically birth a human. I could adopt. Well, a you human, could always just which steal one. Also, an option. But I mean, I mean, I don't know if I want to birth a human. It scares me. I'm frightened. Yeah. You should I'm be. Frightened it's a bloodbath down there. I'm frightened of the whole process from the beginning to the birth. Yeah, it's fucking gross. It's fucking gross. So maybe I'll just maybe <laughs> I will just stay celibate forever, just to avoid that. You whole don't thing. need to do that. I'm just saying. I'm I, the whole process frightens me. You, but you don't have to. You don't have to stay celibate just for that reason. No, I'm saying the whole process like frightens me. The whole thing. Oh, gotcha. I'm scared. There's no need to be scared. So, Ronald Dominique was split, and I guess if you're split in the past, it's easy to become, more, you know, re-split. So, as soon as he felt some penetration, which is in all of his victims, I mean, he knew he was going to kill this guy, just like all of his other victims. Yeah, but this, he, was, it was a, this was his excuse. Yeah, this is the turning point. As soon as Dominique felt the man's penis going inside of him... He flipped, basically, and this is the M.O. He reaches under his car seat of his 1983 Chevy Malibu. He grabs a tire iron, and he swings it as hard as he can, and he bludgeons the side of Oliver LeBanc's head. And this is from the book. It says, The man's brain began leaking out blood ah! leaking out oh, no. blood inside the cranium he he hits the tire iron across his head and quote the brain began leaking out blood inside the cranium he hit this guy so hard in the head now think about it this is in the cab and they're both naked this is in the cab of a Chevy Malibu which back then cars were larger in size like inside, but still with the big boy of 240 pounds, Ronald Dominique, the Bayou Strangler, there's not a lot of room to reach back with his arm. Unless the window was open. The window wasn't open, completely shut. So he reached back as far as he could, but there's not a lot of room. And he just, with all his strength, and this isn't, this isn't strength like go to the gym. This is very important. This is strength built up from the time he was 13 and in the schoolyard when he was called a, quote, fag. And he knew he was gay. And all the all this stuff, part of his motivation, and a lot of the killers that we do that are homosexual, but they usually won't admit it, even though their victims are other males. If you think like Herb Baumeister... Their rage, their strength to hit someone on the head with a tire iron is coming from that pent-up oppression and abuse and the bullies and pushing them as a child and being in the closet too afraid to come out. That is where this is coming from. Can you imagine how fewer crimes and murders we would have had if homosexuality was i mean and even now it's not like like we've made a like they've made a large society has made a huge amount of progress progress thank you that's the word i was looking for but can you imagine back in the day if it was ex- as accepted as it is now and even still there's still prejudice out there but if it was as widely as ex- accepted now as it was, as could you imagine if it was as accepted then as it is now, how fewer crimes that we would have and how fewer murders we would have? Because a lot of people, because they they find their victims and they they act out based on their own trauma and oppression and and things like that. Like, think about it. It'd probably be more, actually, because then they'd be more open to dating and stuff. So they would have more victim opportunities. So, yeah, probably more, Jen. 
No, I don't I, think so. I think it would be fear because you're saying like he was, you think that <laughs> he's he, just trying to be difficult. I know he's trying to be difficult. I know he's trying uh, to be difficult, but they wouldn't have to hide it and they wouldn't have that. They wouldn't be as made fun of. I feel like people are yeah. more accepting now as than back then and like kids, especially. Yeah. In America. Yeah. That's true. true. Go to other countries. But this is in America, the crime <clears throat> that we're talking about. This tonight. is also in the, the bayous, Louisiana, Jen. That's different. There's something that is in this story that really shocked me. This is a modern story, people. This happened in 1998. And the author goes down this path that I didn't even know was a thing in the really remote, isolated parts of Louisiana. You know, the bayous, the swamps, the alligators, the Creole, all that stuff. When there ain't a neighbor and miles and I mean, let's just be honest. You got the trailer here. You know, you're staying at your sister's in front in your sister's yard. In these isolated places. There is a tradition, a, 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 a Creole tradition. That's what the uh, that's the term that he uses in the book. And I'm just going to kind of read what he says. It's kind of crazy. He says, um, it says, quote, they said that some Cajuns accepted parents. Now, this is modern. Accepted parents having sex with their children as the natural order of things. I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? Because I think I misheard you. <laughs> In the, he's talking about the isolated swamps of Louisiana. That ca- some Cajuns accept the parents having sex with their own children as the natural order of things. Oh, I, so I did hear you crazy. correctly. I heard you correctly. Just fucking crazy. Okay. That shit's still going on. But That's... I mean, if you think about it, like, all right, we make fun of West Virginia, but if you're stuck up in the mountains and there ain't no other families around you and you don't have the transportation to to go everywhere because you're literally living on a fucking mountain. You know, your sister looks a lot better than she would if you were living in the in the city with a, a bunch of other women. You know what I'm saying? That's why they do that because there's no other opportunity to to serve their It's like their the ep- needs. episode in um Brooklyn 99. They were talking about mono and I haven't seen them yet. Just you wait. Okay, so before y'all got me all screwed up, I'm going back. The space in the car in the cab is not large enough to swing back and hit him. But LeBanks was hit so hard, and you saw him. him. He looks like he got a pretty normal thick head. He was hit so hard in the side of his head that he instantly instantly suffered twin concussions twin concussions Boom! right there i've never even heard of that and this is coming from a person who's had at least six yeah but you never had twin concussions that's what i'm saying ronald dominic then started choking him he takes off his belt now this guy is twitching at this point the book literally talks about how he's twitching he takes a belt wraps it around his neck and just starts tightening it with the belt. But for some reason, and the belt marks are in the neck when they find the body, even though the body is pretty decomposed because even though they found it a day later, apparently in Louisiana and the, the humid, hot bayous and the swamps, bodies decompose extremely fast, extremely fast. So if you're in the market, you know, Getting rid of a body or two, Louisiana and the bayous, it'll be gone within a week. Okay. Anyway, he is twitching. The belt, his belt is around his neck so tight that it bites completely into the skin. So much so that it touches the arteries and kind of cuts into the arteries. And then he takes the belt off and finishes the job with his hands. And the book talks about the death rattle, where you you know that when the body kind of just blah, that final kind of, uh. that final uh, let go, if you will, of the body. Mm-hmm. And that's it for him. Now, this wasn't the first victim. And here's the thing about Ronald Dominique, the Bayou Strangler, 
is he's got to dump the body. But guess what? He is in Louisiana. He could go down any side street, dump the body, and never, we would not be doing this story. They would never find the body. There's so many gators out there. It decomposes way too fast. It's so easy to hide a dead body in Louisiana. But if you go to Google Earth, there's plenty of places that you can find where you can put a body that no one will see it. But he doesn't want to do that. He wants the body to be found. He's going to. He wants the notoriety and fame of the killer, right? All of his life, he has been ridiculed. He has been called a loser. He has had these menial, shitty jobs. He has never had a girlfriend. He is He's known as a nice guy, as we'll talk about, but he's just... People are nice and friendly, but no one wants to be fucking friends with him, okay, at all. All of his life, he has felt that, that isolation and that kind of rejection, even though people weren't weren't mean when he's older because he's a big dude. No one's going to be mean to a big dude, but they're friendly, but I, uh, I can't come over for dinner because, you know, my I got to wash my hair type of shit. So no one's friends with him. So all of that, after all of that, he wants some sort of recognition. He wants to be appreciated in some way, and the only way he can do it is to make sure these bodies are found and as I said, these bodies would quickly, quickly decompose anywhere else. But he drives towards the airport and he goes on the airline drive, like right by the airport on Federal Highway 61. He goes off a little side street and he dumps the body right on the side of the road where passerby will definitely see the body. And they did within a few hours. Most of these bodies were found within four fucking hours, which is we've never done like a serial killer where he's hiding a body and four hours later they find it. Right. It's usually like 12 or hunters find it or whatever. This is four hours later. Someone's just riding by and there's a dead body. The bodies aren't staged per se. They are missing their pants or their shirt. The shirt's always off. And these are all muscular type of hustlers that prostitutes, you know. The pants are usually pulled down, like in LeBanks' case, and they're just tossed out like trash, usually on their knees, face down, ass up. You know what I'm saying? That's the way we like to fuck. That's the way they're found. So, and another interesting thing is cops didn't find hardly any DNA at all. They they found the the reason we're talking about the LeBanks one is because this is the one they actually found very slight DNA, which was mitochondrial DNA, which uh-huh. is not the one that directly re- links you to the crime. No, That's, but the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Thank you, Jen. You're welcome. That's very mature. <laughs> <laughs> the cops thought he was using either condoms or, you know, it wasn't you know, or whatever he cleaned up, but no, it just, the, the humidity of Louisiana eats that shit away quick. Cray cray. It is cray. This guy didn't even really make the newspapers because when he did get caught after killing 23 people, he, uh, hurricane Katrina was all that people talked about, especially Uh, in that, in that area. Yeah. In that area. So let's talk about the first victim right quick. David Mitchell, 19-year-old African-American, last seen July 13, 1997, in St. Charles Parish. The body was discovered on Highway 3160 a few hours later. He was anally raped and drowned. So this is interesting because this is the first victim. And the MO after this victim right here is going to change and be pretty steady. So this guy, David Mitchell, was drowned. And I imagine he drowned him to try to get rid of the evidence, the semen and stuff like that. But the second victim wasn't. The second victim was another African-American, killed five months later. There was a cooling down period of five months. He was found dead on December 14th in St. Charles Parish, the same place. He was actually found four feet away from where the other body was found. Oh. Obviously, the cops get a lot of uh, backlash about 
this. Oh, how can you let them kill 23 people? Number one, they were prostitutes, all of these people. And this is a, a gay male case, right? This isn't, yeah, I mean, it's just not that popular. Let's be honest. You know what I'm saying? It's just not that popular. Mm. They And they don't want to fuck with it because, you know. I mean, no, no one's going to, like, especially in Louisiana where homosexuality is still kind of looked down upon in a lot of places. Well, let's be real. It's looked down upon in a lot of places, not, not just, just Louisiana. Louisiana. Yep. This ain't some, this ain't some 15-year-old white cheerleader, you know. These are prostitutes, hustlers, and stuff like that in Louisiana. So anyway, um, the third victim, I'm just going to kind of run through these a little bit, and then we'll get to his background and stuff like that. The third victim, Larry Ranson, same thing. Um, now, this one's sort of a change. This told the police that he didn't really have an age preference. This man here was 38 years old. And there's like no photos of these people, guys. There's, I mean, there's, you know, nothing. Now, these victims all up until the 23rd one will die the same way. And that is asphyxia. That is asphyxiation by compression of the neck. Mm. So basically, belt around the neck, choked, and then dumped. Some of these victims will be dumped in a dumpster. Some of these victims will be dumped laying halfway out of the dumpster. Some of these will be dumped on the side of the dumpster. Some, one wow. of them will be thrown over a wire fence, like a like a dead like squirrel a or some shit. I just like, <laughs> like over a wire fence. It's terrible, you know. It's it's like they're thrown away like they're garbage, but they're humans. They deserve way better than that. They don't deserve to be killed at all. I agree. I mean, yeah, obviously that. But you know, as victims, you should at least no respect. Yeah, there's no respect. Trash. They're not trash. You know, you're trash by killing them. All right, so the background of Ronald Dominique, which, you know, when I look at this guy, I don't know, maybe it's just a Louisiana thing, but Dominique, it just doesn't seem like, is that? That's a French name. Is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, or, or you, or there, it's the female version of the name Dominic. Let's talk about the background of the Bayou Strangler. In school, he was called all the names he was called a loser and made fun of. Now, he was still in the closet through his entire childhood. But, you know, these kids, they they just know, right? And they they saw right through that. He would say he's not gay, but they could see through it. And in this part of Louisiana, that wasn't accepted at the time. This And he grew up in the 70s. So this was the 70s in Louisiana, especially where he was. He was in... He grew up in Thibodeau. He actually was an extremely talented singer. Huh. He sung in the Glee Club and in the high school chorus. And throughout his adulthood, he is known, besides the whole killing, before the whole killings, he is known throughout the community as an impersonator, a really good impersonator of Patti LaBelle. He is, oh. he is obsessed with Patti LaBelle, and he does these shows where he impersonates her. And that's who people know him as, Patti LaBelle. Like, he does drag? Yeah, as Patti LaBelle. Got it. We should go to a drag brunch. That would be fun. Is, he, I think there's... Is there one in Charleston? Yeah, there are. There are multiple ones. He grew up with six other siblings not only was he made fun of for being homosexual, he was also made fun of for being extremely poor. His whole family lived in abject poverty, and they were made fun of. After he was arrested, he claimed that one of the things that made him kill was his childhood. When he was a small child, he was molested by a priest, which the parents didn't believe. I don't, I mean, I, I mean priests don't do that. I don't know where he would come up with that from. But that's the, the craziest thing I've ever heard. So we don't know if that's true or not. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> are you looking for me to react? <laughs> He's hoping for something. Well, listen, you know, you don't want to disbelieve a, an abuse victim. No, but I'm saying priests don't do that. And at this time period, no, the Catholic Church would never 
do a nationwide cover-up and send priests that are accused of molestation to different parishes and different different priesthoods around the country. That just doesn't work. It's not some mass cover-up. You're trying to get me riled up. <laughs> He's trying. But sex with children was common, as I talked about earlier. Ugh. Cajuns in some parts of Louisiana believe that parents have the right to have sex with their children as the, quote, natural order of things. Ronald Dominique is the type of person that will keep his Christmas decorations up all year. Oh, no. <laughs> that's oh, what that's bad. Yeah, you don't keep your Christmas decorations up. Uh, yeah, one of those. Me, who just, fill, just drained the coolers of a party that I had two weeks ago, even I do not keep my Christmas decorations up all year round. Uh, that's the reason he's bad. That's it. That's the last straw. <laughs> Can't handle it. Wait, no, it's not because he's lazy. He likes it. I have it. heard of people who get so pissed off about that, like outdoor Christmas lights, who will like take them down for their neighbor. Like well, okay, they them so, off so much. I'm I'm not that far because, but we 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 may get to the point, Jen, where we paint your neighbor's house. And fence. Yes, but I mean, like, <laughs> for, if it were my neighbor who left their Christmas decorations, I don't have to look out, at it every day. I honestly, I, honestly, it, I don't look at it every day because I don't go outside every day. Like if it's the weekend, I don't necessarily go outside on a Saturday. It should cheer you up. It's all cheerful colors. But if my other neighbor who has a 10 foot Santa in their yard left their Christmas decorations up all year round, that's another story. That's someone who would get their <laughs> Santa's calves you, slashed. You get like a chainsaw. But what, what if it was a bunch of... Like Jesus stuff, like Jesus in the cradle. (laughs) (laughs) Would you go slash Jesus's knees? No, I wouldn't do that. But I mean, break some Jesus kneecaps. (laughs) Like burn, like light the manger on fire. Goddamn wise man. No, I would not do that. (laughs) I would just politely ask them to please put it away. But I mean, uh, Jesus Christ! God damn it! Get Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> but the Santa is literally taller than their home. It's taller than the house. Yeah, it's a two-story Santa. It is. Claus it literally a is a two-story Santa. <laughs> and then they also, ha- I'm pretty sure they also have the helicopter Santa Claus as well. Ooh, yeah. Like you a get lot a good of inflatables. <laughs> no, I like my neighborhood because it, it's it's you know I love my house. I've it's done a quirky. lot of work there it's fine other than at christmas and then my neighbor i guess that is going to be year long having a lime green fence with a yellow and blue house it's fine it's fine i don't have fine i don't have to live there forever but i do love my house like honestly like if i could just I, i do i block out everything else that goes on inside of it like my house is suited for me i have a bar i have a room i have a bar that's the first thing you say it has alcohol i have beer i have whiskey immature gen back i've got beer wine whiskey shots of fucking and tequila which is fine because i don't what about a bed like has a Murphy bed in the bar. I have my a dog. Murphy bed for Murphy. A Murphy and that's for, all we. I have two Murphy beds. Murphy's bed and then the Murphy bed in my bar, which is that's also all. a guest room. It's fine. This guy was pretty unassuming his employment at the time of the killings. So basically the killings are split in half. Ronald Dominique killed between 1997 and 2006. That was the times that he was killing Okay, so they're pretty much split down the middle with his victims. Because in November 1999, after he's killed half of his victims, the police finally release a sketch of Ronald Dominique. And it looks nothing like him. Oh, do you have the sketch? (laughs) Is it one of those really terrible police sketches? Yeah, I'll show you. But it looks nothing like him. but, But right after police released that sketch... Ronald Dominique quits his job, and at the time he is a maintenance worker for the St. Charles Parish where he lives. He is a maintenance wor- a regular maintenance worker. They release a sketch, November 1999. He immediately quits his job and drives his trailer down about 40 miles to Huma out there on Bayou Blue Road. He, and he parks his trailer in front of his sister's home. And that's where he's going to commit his killings now on. So about 40 minutes away 
about 40 minutes away in a different part of Louisiana. Okay. So, but the, the MO pretty much stays the same. And it took him a while to link a serial killer to all of these. Mm. And it's, it's most likely because they're homosexuals and no one cared. And they're prostitutes. And it's, you know, Louisiana. Well, it's poor Louisiana. The poor parts Louisiana, let's just say that. His first arrest was June 1985. And that was for, quote, making dirty phone calls. Ew. Yeah, no. I should probably slow that down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just calm that down. He was charged with telephone harassment and he pleaded guilty. Do you know what his fine was for that? $600. $74. The next arrest was May 1994 for drunk driving. Now, this is really interesting. Ronald Dominique stayed in trouble with the law for stupid shit. Like at one bar, he ends up punching a woman in the face and gets like a say very simple assault charge. However, most serial killers, when they're in their throes of killing their victims, when they're working in the area, killing their victims or whatever, they're going to stay clear away from any minor infractions. But that's not the case with Dominique. He still got arrested for minute shit all during his killing spree, which is kind of unique, you know, for stupid shit like being drunk in public and stuff. Anyway, uh, two years later, after the drunk driving incident, this is right before the killing started in 1996, a man flees from his bedroom window screaming quote he's trying to kill me he got three months in jail for rape and this is one of the points that he tells detectives made him a serial killer his stay in prison one year before he started murdering people during his three-month stint in prison he was raped constantly by other prisoners quote making his anus particularly susceptible to splitting during sex, end quote. So it was something he was used to. Ouch. I mean, yeah, ouch. Yeah. So then he made his mind to never go back to jail. Well, I mean, he's in jail now, obviously. <laughs> so his ass is constantly getting split. Okay. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> he's in jail. So the escalation phase for this guy happened after the Oliver uh, murder, which was the fourth one. So and because it goes from months, right? Five months, the cooling down period for a serial killer. And he it was five months and six months and seven months. But after the Oliver LeBanks one, which we talked about first, he started escalating extremely quickly. He gets more confidence. He knows the cops aren't even fucking looking for him. And 15 days later, he kills a Joseph Brown. A month later, he kills a Bruce Williams. And I'll put all the victim pictures on TalkMirror.com. They're all African-American, ranging from 15 years old to 40 Mm. years old. Uh, He killed a 21-year-old Manuel Reed. All of these victims are skinny black males that he can overpower. This guy was found on May 30th, 1999, Body was discovered inside a dumpster. Oh, no. Why are you throwing them out like they're trash? They're not trash. But that's what he wants to do. He wants to throw up, throw them out like they're trash. The uh, trash lid was actually open. He wants people to find the bodies. The thing is, it's not the sex or even the killing. I mean, that's great. But if he can know that he is being appreciated in some way, that's what he wants. So he wants people to find the bodies. His M.O. slightly changed with a victim, Angel Mija. This was a homeless man. That was the first homeless man that he's killed. A 21-year-old, no address, last seen June 30th, 1999. He was tossed out, pants down, not off, but by his feet, his shirt off. He was found kind of tossed against the dumpster, just kind of laying there, right? So you know people are going to use that to dump their trash in. Obviously, people are going to find it. He vanishes New Year's Eve 1999, and the police, they didn't even have a task force yet, even though he killed all these people. There were two detectives on it, but he just vanishes New Year's Eve 1999. And if you're a serial killer, if you stop killing, unless you're like BTK, which he went 
you know, he stopped killing for 10 years. If you stop killing, you, you might be in prison or you might be dead. This guy obviously moved down to the one of the next parishes, 40 miles down, living at his sister's house. New Year's Eve was the first body found in the new location, which sucks because you don't even make it to the year 2000. Y2K. Y2K. I remember that New Year's. A victim was found laying across a wire fence. Ooh. And this is in his hometown that he grew up in, Dominique's. And the autopsy had linear abrasions on the right upper chest. So this guy's getting more brutal. He's starting to slash and shit like that. And after this, Ronald Dominique stopped killing for two years. So he puts a... And this is right... At the airport, too, where the wire fence is. He drapes a body over the wire fence. Everyone can see it on the interstate. Mm. Everyone can see it. After that, he stops for two years. Do you, you want to guess why he stops for two years? Why? Because he needs more money, so he becomes a pizza boy with Domino's. Uh. <laughs> and, at, and at night, he's delivering Domino's pizza. So, so he's too busy to murder anyone. He is. He's... He actually becomes a really good citizen after this, which I don't know what to think about it. He joins the local Lions Club. He's spending his weekends. I don't know what Domino's did to him, but they changed him for a little bit. Then he fucking escalated back. I mean, their cheesy bread is on point. (laughs) And their cinnamon I do love me some cheesy bread, period. But he, he stopped killing for two years he joins a local Lions Club. He stop, He starts volunteering. He spends his entire weekends at the bingo halls calling out numbers for old people. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Aww, this guy that's is nice, I guess. Literally Shit. <laughs> what the fuck? He has he has stopped killing people all together, and then all of a sudden he starts back. I don't know what the fuck. Maybe he got mad about something. Maybe. Maybe. The next victim was a Jenneth Randolph, 146 Charter Court off Bayou Blue Road. This was right down the street from him, literally the next door, the next door neighbor. Wow. This guy was a pedophile, and he was a felon for uh, raping kids multiple times over a felon, and he was found raped and murdered himself. So that's basically the, the Bayou Strangler. He was caught... Obviously, with the DNA, they they pulled the DNA. They got a confession. He came right out and confessed. No one has really heard about this case because of Katrina. He was arrested in 2006, but Katrina happened, what, I think, August 2005 or something like that. And that news was going on for until like 2007 mm-hmm. or something. I remember like it was going on for years. So... You didn't even hear about this guy, plus the fact that he's killing prostitutes, plus the fact that he's he's a homosexual killing other homosexuals, doesn't really make the news as much. Mm. And that's kind of why, but mostly because of the Katrina thing. Right. So how how exactly did he get caught from all? <laughs> well, there was two detectives. If you if you read the book, that there were two detectives that joined forces. They were from the different parishes, uh-huh. and they linked the serial killer together. And then they put up a uh, surveillance on him. They uh. pulled they pulled DNA from LeBanks, which was the first victim we were talking about. Yep. And that was mitochondrial DNA. And mm-hmm. they arrested him. They they tailed him, arrested him, and then he just confessed, you know, and showed all the bodies. They got all the bodies. Stuff and like his that. sentence is life in prison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he'll okay. be in life in prison. Good. He's locked up. But yeah, that's it. That's uh, wow. pretty much. That's pretty much the Bayou Strangler. Any details that I really didn't mention, you know, I used the source of the that one book by Fred Rosen. So if he didn't put it in there, I, I honestly didn't mention it because that was the source I used for this uh, episode. But I hope you guys liked that, enjoyed it. Yeah. Kind yeah. of a different one. The next serial killer we're going to be talking about is known as the Raincoat Killer. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Shit. And there's actually a pretty creepy, a pretty creepy, creepy pasta legend about the killer. Creepy linguine? Ooh. Yeah. And it's actually pretty interesting. 
That will be on Thursday, so make sure you're subscribed if you're not. And, and you should be. Yeah. Also subscribe to the new podcast, What Happened to Disappearances and Strange Happenings that are unsolved. I put the uh, I put that podcast to uh, lo-fi hip-hop beats, and it's, it's really relaxing to listen to, and it's still true crime. I think you guys will love it. There's like five or six episodes out now. And also go to tacocast.com slash win to enter the contest. A $300 mystery box is going out. There's still, the box? there's still three weeks and you can rack up, I think, all in all, like 10 entries for yourself. Plus, you can use your wife's or your hubby's account, get another 10 more. So be sure to do that and uh, win that. There's not going to be a ton of people that enter that. So you have a really good chance, guys. And... Those the prizes in that box are handpicked by me and Brianne, and they are they are they are great. I am jealous of those things. There's some really great things up in that box. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. Like, I'm things. super jealous. Yeah. So it you. I may steal a thing or two. Just yeah. kidding. I'm gonna enter into it. No, you're not. I'm. Can delete. we? Can, can does Jen have to be excluded from? Yes. Yeah, she's uh, I'll get my friends to enter. Yeah, so check that out. Um, and this, like I said, Talk Murder Me podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Be sure to subscribe Tuesdays and Thursdays. We release episodes 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also support us on Patreon. We do live videos every week. Besides this week, we're taking one week off. But those are on Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We record live and talk to you guys live. And that's all I got. So until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people. <laughs>